0: It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Monique Torsiello joined the A Quilter's Life Facebook group about six months ago, and we had such a wonderful time chatting you're going to love to hear why she came up with the quote, any mistake you make can be made into a masterpiece. Isn't that a great quote? Monique, thanks so much for joining me on A Quilter's Life.
1: Oh, thank you for having me. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's exciting. <laughs> happy to be here. Oh,
0: I've been looking forward to this for quite a while. We contacted back in March, I think so. I'm really looking forward to this.
1: Yeah, I was looking at that. It was March. I went on that month-long vacation. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was so fun. That was so fun, let me tell you. Well, living here in Las Vegas, you know, everyone comes through here, so I never have to go anywhere. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, Well,
0: let's start back with, tell me where you were born and raised.
1: I was born in Los Angeles, California, in the San Fernando Valley, so, you know, like around Hollywood and all that, so... The glitz and all of the lights and all that was, you know, what I grew up around. And surfing, you know, I didn't surf, but I did watch the surfers and the skateboarding. And all All in the 80s, it was really just a really great, great place to grow up for that time period. Really just amazing place to grow up.
0: So being in the L.A. area, did you visit Disneyland?
1: Oh, my God, yes. My parents took us every year from, I think, starting in 1978 because, you know, when my sister was old enough, every year from 1978 all the way up until probably the 80s when we were just kind of, you know, teenagers. And then we started just going with our friends on our own. So I've gone probably every single year that I ever lived there. Yeah. Yeah, it was only about 45 minutes away. It's about 45-minute drive with no traffic.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Well, actually, for our senior year, when we graduated high school, that's where all the Southern California kids go. Is to Disneyland. I don't know if they did that back then. Yeah, that's what they did. That's where I went for my senior year. Our senior trip was to Disneyland. Cool. How about a special
0: childhood memory?
1: I have so many. If I want to be like when I was little, I just loved going up north with my grandmother to her sister's house. They didn't even have a bathroom. They had an outhouse. And it was just this little shack. But for whatever reason, I just loved going up there and spending it with my great aunt, and my great uncle, and my grandmother. And they would teach me how to, like, you know, do pin curls in my hair. And I loved that. And they taught me how to, like, iron and, you know, hand sew and, you know, do all the little things that old people did, you know. And I just loved it. That's probably one of my favorite was going up there with my grandmother and her brothers and sisters and spending my summers up there when I was little.
0: Have fun. Now, how far north
1: was that? That was in McFarland. I want to say it's just north of Fresno. Okay.
0: Then what did you do after high school?
1: I went to Pierce College for a year. I was an accounting major. And then before my second year started, I was only 17. So I was, of course, still living at home. And my parents were like, well, you know, we're moving to Florida. What? Okay. Well, what about me? I'm still going to school and I'm not old enough to live on my own. And I just had a job working in a Photoshop. We know where you dropped your film off, sent it off for a couple of days and it came back. Oh, we're just talking about dating ourselves. Huh? <laughs> and <laughs> they don't even have film anymore. So they said, well, you can stay here with one of your other older sisters or you can leave with us. We prefer you leave with us, you being underage and all, you know, but I was in college. There was not a whole lot they could say. But I was only making what, $375 an hour? I'm not staying, you know, so packed up and moved to Florida. And that's where I went. I wanted to go back into college, but not being a technical resident, you have to live there for like five years. I ended up never going back to college. And then, you know, and then I just moved all over the country from there. Wow.
0: Well, let's back up a minute. You mentioned that you were 17 and in college. So tell me about how you advanced in school. To graduate Um, at an early age.
1: I graduated early because my older sister, of course, she was a year older than me. I think like 16 or 17 months older than me. And she went to school first, obviously. And when she would come home, you know, she'd have homework. And I would sit with her and I would just watch her. And I don't know. I just learned to read and write. And she would just teach me, you know, how to read and write and do the math and all that. So by the time you know, back in the seventies, it was just, you know, Crayolas and, and dirt stuff. I guess you did. I don't, I don't know what you do in kindergarten, but I heard that that's what you did in kindergarten. And I was so excited to go. And when I walked in, I walked over to like where they had like the books and stuff and they didn't have the book that I wanted because it was for like a second grader. So I took the book out of my little backpack and it was Paddington Bear. And I sat down and I read that book Well, they told my mom. I guess I don't know. And the next thing I know, I'm getting carted off to first grade. That's how I remember it. I'm sure that's not how it went, but that's my memory of me going my one day to kindergarten. And it's not that I wasn't allowed to play with the kids. I just didn't play with them. I just would rather read. And so they said I was advanced, and then they stuck me in first grade, and I was like four years old. Wow. So I taught myself to read. Paddington Bear, still my favorite little bear. I even have a bear. That looks like him that I gave to my daughter, that she still has. Oh, neat.
0: So you ended up in Florida, and now you're in Vegas.
1: Yes, I'm in Las Vegas now, but I didn't come here from Florida. I haven't lived in Florida since the 90s, I think since I was 20 years old. I'm 49 now.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, we lived in Florida for like a year, year and a half, and then my mom got a transfer, and so we moved to Dallas. You know, I was a wild child, but not bad. I wanted to be free. So I jumped on a bus and I went back to Florida because I had fun living there. But then without your parents, it's different. You know, the bills are yours. You know, (laughs) the money's not yours anymore. So I didn't really care for that too much. So I ended up moving back to Texas and then I ended up moving to Colorado because I thought they would be different there. But it does this thing there that I don't like and I'd never seen before. Snow. Yeah, (laughs) it, it snows there. I'd never seen it before come from the sky. I'd seen it on the ground. I'd seen it manufactured, but I'd never in my life, my 21 years, I think at this point of living, had ever seen it fall from the sky. And I'm like, I don't like this. I got (laughs) on a plane. (laughs) I jumped on a plane and I went back to Dallas and I stayed in Dallas. That's when I had my daughter and stuff like that and got married. But yeah, I just bounced all over the country just whenever tickled my fancy, I would jump on a plane or a bus and just go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. You know, it was the 80s and 90s. It was a different time. Mm -hmm.
0: You mentioned to me earlier that you found your grandmother's obituary.
1: I did. And it was just like a random thing. I was talking to a girlfriend of mine. Her name is Mallory. She's my twin, you know, quote unquote twin. She's one of my best friends. She likes to do those astrology things. And we started talking about my grandmother and whatever. And I don't know. And I said, I'm like, let me go look at the obituary. Because I'd seen it before, but I'd never read it. You know, I just looked at it for the dates, you know, because she just needed dates. But I ended up reading it this time and it literally said on the first line that her favorite thing to do was quilting. It was one of her hobbies. And I was like, you don't say. It really threw me off guard because like I was telling you earlier is because, you know, she was born in the 20s, you expect her to know how to do it. You do. It's not like today. You don't expect anybody to know how to do something like that. You expected her to know how to do that because she grew up during the Depression. I didn't realize that it was a hobby, you know? Mm-hmm. She had made me a quilt when I was 12, and I'd kept it all the way up until my daughter was probably 12 or 13, and it finally just shredded. He like fix it so much, you know? But I had that thing most of my entire life.
0: I bet she would have been so happy that it was loved.
1: Oh, I'm sure. I called it my whoopee.
0: Hmm. I had that thing forever. and tell me about how often you got to see her.
1: I met her when I was 12 because my biological father had passed away in 1975. So when my mom remarried in 78, you know, we just kind of didn't see our biological family all that much with them not living in the same state. You know, there was nothing malicious or anything. It was just distance. So there came a time... When we were kind of growing up and we wanted to know about our, I don't want to say real family, because my dad, he's everything. He's fantastic. He's my person. You know, my dad's my everything. And of course, not knowing my biological father, but my mom wanted us to at least know them, you know? So she had stayed in contact with my grandma Jones, the one who was in the obituary. And we went on a flight out there to Missouri in, I want to say, 1984, 85, something like that. And we got to meet my grandmother. Her name was Ida Mae. And my grandfather, Zelmer. And they're Jones, you know, so I'm a Jones girl. And, you know, got to meet some of my uncles and some of my cousins, you know. And then we went again a couple of years later. And then that's the only two times I ever met my grandparents. But she was just the sweetest lady. She talked with this crazy little Missouri accent I'd never heard before. and Just a sweet lady. I'm glad I got a chance to meet her. And she did hand me the quilt that first time. I did meet her, though, when I was twelve.
0: Wow. What's the best way for me to ask you
1: about your stature? I knew you were waiting. I knew that's what it was. Like. I knew it. I'm like, she's, she's trying to ask me how tall I am. I know it. I know it. Okay. I am a little person. If people couldn't tell by my voice, like helium has no effect on me, let me tell you. I don't think it affected me, but people say I'm the only person they know that gets taller when I sit down on a bar stool. Oh. <laughs> In quilting, I think, because I'm only four foot six. And my kids, they're like five, seven, five, eight. So they're huge. And I think that everybody is tall. I'll tell you about my first baby quilt that I ever made. So I went to the fabric store. <laughs> I never made a baby quilt in my life. Now, mind you, I've given birth. I know what babies look like, I know how big they are. I thought I knew. I forgot that I'm only four foot six. And when my daughter was born, she was born at half my length. So put in perspective how big i think a baby is i went i bought 8 yards of fabric for the front <laughs> my husband he looks at me he's just watching me walk around this store you know cuz we don't really know nothing about nothing at this point you know about quilting <laughs> so he goes is that it and i said no now we know we got to get for the backing he just looks at me stops and stares me right in the face and he goes babe how big is this baby <laughs> he puts his hands up to show me how big a baby is and I'm like is that all because if you ask me I would put my hands out twice as far because my dog because I'm little I'm half the size of a normal person but my child was almost as big as me so I think that's how big people are in perspective Wow. (laughs) so I make a quilt for you and I have to ask you if you say you're five nine I'll make you a twin-size quilt because I'll think that's how long your legs are. I'm I'm the worst. No one's ever gotten a small quilt out of me. (laughs) It's all in perspective. It is. It really is perspective. If a regular size human runs into a doorknob, it hits their hip, right? And it catches their loophole of their belt. You know where it hits me? On my shoulder. Yeah. So perspective everybody is at least a foot taller than me wow yeah it's a little different (laughs) (laughs) like sit down in a chair and scoot around in a chair all day long that's me that's all I see yeah
0: besides quilting are there other crafts
1: you do or have done I do I throw darts um, competitively I have three trophies Two first place, one third place. I throw for Battleborn Darts here in Las Vegas. It's a huge thing. And, you know, they have like this little community called the Dart Cartel. I've been trying to get into it, but you have to be really, really good. Only the best of the best get in there. And one of these days, fingers crossed, I'm going to get in. It's Jan and Scooter Murphy. They run it. They're an amazing couple. And they really keep me, you know, focused on my darts. And when I'm not throwing darts, I'm sewing, you know? They run one of the major leagues here in Las Vegas.
0: Back to you being a little person, how has that affected throwing darts?
1: Oh, it's kind of an advantage because people, they don't know what to make me. They think they're going to automatically beat me because I can't reach the board. (laughs) (laughs) I lose more than I win, but I do win a lot. You know, I get lucky and uh, no, no, I think I'm pretty good. You know, I'm not the greatest. I'm not the best, but. I feel I'm pretty, pretty decent, you know? I don't like to lose, leave it at that. I don't like to lose. I'm very competitive.
0: That's great. Yeah.
1: And practice, 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 right? Jan and Scooter, since they run the leagues, they have tournaments every week or every other week. And so, like, I like to go there and throw in their, their tournaments and it keeps your arm in play and stuff like that, it keeps your practice up so you can play better, you know?
0: And how young were you when you started throwing darts?
1: I just started in 2016. Okay. Not very long. It was just something I just picked up, wanted to see if I could do it. It's a great crowd of people. I actually met my husband at a dart tournament. Oh, neat. Yeah, I was at a tournament down the street. We just walked in there, and I just thought he was so super cute, and I kept going back until he asked me out. <laughs> <laughs> I just let him think it was his choice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Any other hobbies? I run. It's just so hot here in Las Vegas, but I used to run 5Ks every weekend. I just love running. It was a huge passion of mine for most of my life, It's running. I ran a half marathon when I turned 43. That was probably one of my greatest moments in life was when I finished my first half marathon. I ran it in Santa Monica.
0: Wow, that's such an accomplishment.
1: You know, it was just something I always wanted to do, you know. It's very difficult being a little person and running because we don't have the hip rotation that a normal-sized person would have. So it hurts to go distance. I ran 11 miles before I had to, like, slow down because I just couldn't keep going anymore. My hip started to lock up, and I had to be dragged for about a quarter of a mile because I wouldn't give up. And I wouldn't stop. Wow. Came and did last. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's still amazing. Yeah, it was 13.1 miles
1: yeah. without stopping.
0: And it's going to be the rare person, whether little or big, that's going to run that.
1: Yeah, I only know probably like six people that have ever done it, that I know personally.
0: Mm-hmm. Do your hobbies at all show up in your quilting?
1: Yes they're turning up more and more these days they have children so I like to like make them their children quilts so that gives me a reason to quilt I always love to have any reason to quilt and quilting and crafting are synonymous to me sometimes so I'll give them a quilt or sell them a quilt then they'll want something else and it's like a business kind of you know but I still like to give a lot of stuff away (laughs) because it's my passion And having so many friends to be able to give away stuff to, it probably affects my quilting because I can quilt more because I have more people that I can give stuff away to.
0: Yeah.
1: Even my husband says, I need to stop giving everything away. (laughs) (laughs) It can be an expensive hobby. It is, but it's so fun. It is. It's so fun.
0: Did someone introduce you to quilting or did you pick it up in another way?
1: I think when me and my husband first moved in together, we decided that I wasn't going to work anymore. I was just looking for something to do, you know? And I saw on those Pinterest or whatever, and I saw a t shirt quilt. I thought, oh, how hard can that be? Okay, it's hard, especially when all you have is a pair of cutting scissors from the kitchen and a needle you found <laughs> <laughs> and a thread from the dollar store. That was all I started with in a yardstick, didn't even have a ruler. It was awful. And so I started talking to a coworker of mine from my previous job, and her name was Chris Peters. And she was like, oh, I quilt and I sew. And she just started giving me every tool that would help me, rulers and pin cushions and needles and thread and cutting mats and rotary cutters. She would just send me, like, every week it felt like she was just here because it was her passion. And we had other interests as being best friends for so many years I didn't know that she quilted. Of all the things, she's like, I just don't tell people because people want me to make stuff for them and I don't want to. (laughs) She she likes to do it for people that she wants to do it for. She doesn't want it to be a business. You know what I mean? I don't think. At that particular time, it might be different now. I think now she's trying to get into a business. But at the time, it was her passion and she just wanted to quilt. And uh, she liked that me starting to just pick it up in the sewing. She supported me so much. I have three machines right now. She bought me one of my three machines that I use every single day. When one of mine was in the the shop and I couldn't work, when I only had one machine. She's like, oh, you can't sew? Here, And one showed up the next day. Wow. Yeah, she's bought me rulers from Jenny from Missouri Star Quilt. She has all those rulers and stuff. She bought me a bunch of those. And she just pretty much says, if there's anything for quilting or sewing that you need, just text me and it'll show up at your door. She believed in me that much. And she gives me little tasks on quilting, like use this stitch or that stitch or, you know, she's always giving me like little things to learn to push me over into the next level of quilting. If it wasn't for her, I would still have that yardstick and be using the scissors from the kitchen Uh huh. instead of having this amazing setup that I have now. She's the one that really, if I really want to be 100% honest, it would have to be my best friend, Chris Peters. I call her that. Call her by her first and last name all the time. I don't know why. (laughs) I just do. I do. I call people by their first and last name. I don't want to think I'm weird, but I do. She's probably the one that honestly has gotten me into quilting in every way, shape, and form. I can't give it to anybody else, not even my grandmother at this point. Uh My grandmother would get my from her DNA. Right. But Chris Peters and everything else. Yeah.
0: And when did you start quilting?
1: 2017, because I just got like this thing on... The memories and it flashed the first quilt I ever made. So, about five years. So, oh. when I picked up the needle for the first time.
0: Yeah. Do you have a favorite quilt, whether it's one you made or one that you've seen somewhere else?
1: I'd have to say my favorite quilt. I made it. I don't care. I made it. <laughs> <laughs> it was for Mallory. It's weird saying her name, but I call her Twin. She's like one of my best friends. She's like six foot. You know, and I'm four six. Yeah, it's we're like Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger in the movie Twins. Yeah, it's like that. I made her the most beautiful. You know, I cried when I finished it. It was a Harry Potter quilt. I've made her two quilts. She likes like into the metaphysical and this crystals, so I made her one like that, and I made her this one. And I think the Harry Potter one. It was so beautiful. It was, it was turquoise and blacks and blues, and I had part of the negative space that wasn't Harry Potter. It looked very angsty, like very stormy. And on the Harry Potter fabric, there was lightning and it looked like a storm. So I had the background, that negative space looked like a storm. And then on the actual negative space, I had all of her nicknames embroidered on there. Some of her jokes and stuff and something about her son who who passed and, you know, just a lot of personal things. And that quilt was probably the one that was the closest to my heart and my favorite was to twin. Wow, what a special quilt. Yeah, I just want to cry, Mm -hmm. but yeah, that one. I didn't even have to think about it, (laughs) (laughs) and I've made over 150 quilts, and it's that one. Wow, that's a lot of quilts.
0: Yeah. How about a favorite
1: tool? I love my tools. My mother-in-law gave me this rotary cutter. She didn't know that it wasn't a very good one. It wasn't Fiskars. It wasn't any name brand it was just this plastic I don't even know what but you know what I've had probably five rotary cutters and that one's my favorite what she gave me (laughs) that one's my favorite rotary cutter but my favorite tool I would have always said my rotary cutter until I got this little magnet that goes next to your foot and it makes sure that your seam is always I've been looking at something like that so that really works Let me tell you, they do. And you know what? I bought them all on Amazon. They only have three left. So I bought them all. Let me tell you, my seams have always been like just, eh, you know, it's only like a tenth of an inch and only I see it, but I know that another quilter will see it. So this really put my seams on serious point. Like I almost never miss a seam anymore. Chris Peters actually sent it to me. He'd had it for years. And I was like, are you holding out on me? It's that one. I don't even have to think about it either because your seams are everything. If your seams aren't right, then you don't have anything. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And even though I do rag quilting, that's really all I do anymore. Frankly, I don't like binding. So I do the rag quilting, and you don't have to be as exact, but I don't care. I need it to be exact, whether it has to be or not. Because what if you turn the quilt over? You're going to see, you'll see that it's a tenth of an inch or an eighth of an inch off. Yeah. I'll see it. You'll see it. You won't say anything but to see it, you know? Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's how we think. Guilty. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I even told my friend one time, am I becoming a quilt police? I don't want to be a quilt police.
1: You know what? It just is. I was scrolling through Facebook the other day and I saw this one and this lady said, I don't know what should I do? Should I just leave it? You know, and, and then you get these quilters and I'm sorry, but they always say they're perfect in their imperfection. No. I was like, no, no. Cause you know what? Even though the, no- the other person's not going to notice and they'll never notice. However, you and your mind will know forever that that seam was off or it didn't belong there or it was upside down when you know it was directional and it didn't look directional, but you knew it was. And forever, ever, you will know it. I told her, I said, you know what? Uh Uh-uh, don't listen. I said, just tear it apart because you'll know. If it bothers you enough to post it on Facebook, then you might as well just tear it out. It'll be less angsty than 20 years of wondering if they noticed it. Just take it apart and they'll never know what ever happened. Yeah. Because that's the reality. We like to be very supportive of other people. But the reality is, it doesn't matter what other people say, we're still going to know it's there. So you might as well just take it apart.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not quite to that point. I can let some things pass. But yeah, I do notice it. But I know when I send it away, I won't be seeing it probably forever.
1: So I won't have to worry about it. I obsess over it. I'll even go so far as to point it out. And then go, see, it's there. Yeah, see, I can't, I have to tear it apart. (laughs) Yeah, you better if
0: you're pointing it out.
1: Yeah, might as well.
0: So while you're quilting, do you have a part you enjoy more than the others, or do you enjoy each step of the process as you go along?
1: I enjoy row four. You put row one together, then you put row two, then there's row three, and I put them together as I go. I like row four because I can now see my vision coming to life on row four. That's my favorite. Wow. I always get excited that I'm getting to row four. It is fun to
0: see it come together.
1: Yeah, you know, like when you're putting it together and it's kind of getting big, so you're kind of having to adjust it and so it'll feed through the machine. As you're seeing it, you can see how it's all together and what it's going to look like when it's hanging over the side of a bed. And then that's your first glimpse of all your hard work finally coming together. You know how many times I've run my finger through the needle or hit my rotary cutter with my finger, all the blood, sweat, and tears, it's all come down to this moment where I can finally see that it was all worth it for the big reveal, row four. It's always row four for me.
0: That's great. I had not heard that before. That's another unique perspective. I like it.
1: Well, I've never said it out loud it's just something that just comes with just the zen of sewing I think yeah that's where I find it when I'm running you get that runner's high it's my sewing high I always know that moment oh cool
0: now tell me about your worst quilting experience
1: oh it was the cathedral window quilt oh I thought I was going to be fancy and- but it was so many layers I didn't anticipate, and it was so heavy. I By the time I got to row four, <laughs> I was in tears. Aww. I mean, literal, physical tears. And I don't believe in throwing anything away, especially if it's fabric. I stomped it into the ground. I was in tears. And then I thought, you know what? That's not worth it. So I cleaned it up, washed it up, and I cut it up into blocks giant blocks because the windows themselves were gorgeous they were phenomenal but they were so heavy you couldn't do anything with them you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so I cut it up into big giant blocks I think like 18 by 18 and I ended up making four casserole dish carriers out of them and they were stunning wow that would be beautiful every side was a cathedral window of the carrier, I was like, wow, I'm never doing that again, but that was stunning. (laughs) (laughs) So three people got those, and what Chris Peters was one of them.
0: Oh, neat. Well,
1: because that quilt was originally supposed to be for her. I was trying to be fancy and show her that I know some stuff. I didn't know anything.
0: (laughs) Besides it being in your DNA, why do you think you... Spend your time making quilts rather than doing other things
1: with that time. If I wanted to be perfectly honest, I don't know if this is selfish or not. But I love when I'm making something for somebody, a quilt, and that moment when I give it to them. I almost hate mailing them. You know what I mean? I do. I I love that first moment. And you only see it once. That moment is only once. And that moment, they might feel like it's theirs because they got something so amazing that's only theirs, you know, but that moment is mine. That's my moment. I did all of that to see that smile, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: to see their face light up. That's my moment. They can have it, but it's my moment. Yeah. There was this little old lady. Her name is Miss Janet. She contacted me on one of the quilting pages. And she was like, oh, I just love your quilts. They're so pretty. I'm on a fixed income, dear. I can't afford them, you know, whatever. She goes, but they're just so beautiful. I said, give me your address. And I sent her a quilt and a cozy, and, you know, just what a crafts that I make or whatever. And she was like, I can't believe you did that. You know, she's one of my closest friends now. And she's like 70 something years old. Uh huh. She's just the sweetest little thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I said her stuff when she sends me these little cards on holidays and she lives in Maryland And she talks to me every day. She tells me what the weather is every day in Maryland. (laughs) It's just the sweetest thing you'll ever meet.
0: How cool. Yeah, quilting, we can make a lot of great friends through it, can't we?
1: We really, really can. And all she wanted to do was just tell me how beautiful my quilt was. And that just got my heartstrings, you know. And I'm like, here, you want it? I had just made it to make it. It wasn't for anybody or anything. It was just sitting there. And she thought it was so beautiful. So I was like, well. If you want it, I guess it was made for you. That's so neat.
0: Well, besides for strangers, I'm teasing you, (laughs) who do you make your quilts for?
1: Mostly, I have to say, is for my friend Tasha. He runs a daycare in Portage, Michigan, and it's a snowflake village. And he's got these little babies, you know, they're just so cute. You just got to pinch their little cheeks, you know. (laughs) And every year she gets like a new crop of kids. And as they age out, she likes to give them a gift. And so she contacted me one year, years ago. And she says, can you make quilts for these little kids? And I was like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So I made like, I don't know, I think it was like 16 quilts. And every year after that, she buys 16 quilts for me. And we're like best friends now. She's in a snowflake village and she's got like a little crafting thing, you know, BNK treasures that she has on little Facebook and she sells her cups and stuff. So she has her daycare. She's got a lot going on. She's my hero. You know, let me tell you, I want to be just like her, crafting wise, when I grow up. You know? <laughs> yeah,
0: these people amaze me how much they get done.
1: Yeah, she helps me sell my quilts and stuff. So she's a really, really good friend of mine. I call her Batasha, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she calls me Bonique, and uh, I call her my little country mouse, and she calls me a city mouse because she lives over there in you know Michigan, and I swear she lives in the forest, and she's like, I don't. I don't. I'm like, yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> that's all that's out there is trees and stuff. She's like, okay. I made her a quilt. Across it says "Country Mouse" on it, and Tasha. and it's got all these little mice on them. You know, like country. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually getting ready to send it out to her with this next batch of quilts. She bought sixteen more quilts from me, and I'm just getting ready to ship them out tomorrow. Oh wow! Yes, that's great. Yeah, she's she's an amazing, amazing woman.
0: Monique, what are you working on right now?
1: I am working on finishing up three quilts that I have to be done by June 3rd. I have so many best friends, huh? Everyone's my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) My best Kristen, she bought three quilts for me. She bought one for her brother, one for her friend, and another one for one of our mutual friends. So she bought those, and so I have to get those done. I am working on crafts for the craft fair. And my friend, he was in a trucking accident. So he's in a wheelchair and he's like, I just keep dumping my stuff all over the floor. And so I'm trying to make some kind of like side wheelchair pouch for him so that he doesn't have to rely on so many people to help him, you know, so he can just kind of get around by himself. And I kind of came up with a, a side pouch. I see the backpack ones, but he doesn't want to reach around. He's got a broken hip. So I designed one that goes on the side of his wheelchair. And then another friend of mine, he'd had two strokes. My friend Ruben, his brother, had two strokes and has to have dialysis. Because he had the strokes, he keeps forgetting his phone at the doctor's. And he can't be without his telephone. Mm -hmm. So I made a lanyard so that it attaches his phone to it. So that he never has to put his phone down so he'll never forget it. I didn't think I would be at this age... These are my friends. I'm not doing it for old people who I don't know. These are my friends. So I'm like, we're at this age where I got to start thinking about things to help get us more adjusted to getting old, like side pouches and lanyards and, you know, just stuff like that to help us along so that we're not so dependent on our children and other people. Yeah. Keeps us independent. When Brandon got in that car accident, I've known him since 10th grade. And he almost died on me, so I'm like, oh, "Here, let me help you." And so that started this, what I'm working on, in between the quilts, because you know quilts don't get bought every day, so we got to find something in between. And I think this is going to be my new endeavor: is finding something to help people in wheelchairs who are incapacitated in some way. Help them. I don't know something I kind of came up with. My mm-hmm. friend Melissa in Australia, she's another really good friend of mine. I've been friends for like 15 years. She's super smart, and she helps me design a lot of this stuff got to give her a lot of this credit. She helps me with a lot of it. I call her Dory. She calls me Nemo. I should be really Dory because I'm so spaced out all the time and she's super smart. She's got to be one of the smartest people I've ever met in my life. Just one of the greatest people, her and Ashley. They live in Australia. They'd send me pictures of kangaroos. (laughs) They send me videos of kangaroos just going in their yard, like our birds.
0: Yeah, I was thinking of the deer that walked through ours, so yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, we don't have that. So I say birds, but yeah, I guess deer. (laughs) Isn't it so neat that
0: our world has gotten small enough through internet or whatever that we can have friends all around the world? Yes. It's so
1: great. A couple of weeks ago, I was learning how to make these purses and pouches and stuff like that. And honestly, I didn't know how to put a pocket on it. And so the only person I could think to call was Dory. So I rang her up just on, you know, messenger or whatever. And it was like one o'clock in the morning, her time, you know, cause I'm getting up But I'm like, don't go to sleep, Dory, teach me. And then she starts talking in millimeters. And I'm like, Oh, here we go with this stupid metric system. I knew I should have learned it in school. <laughs> I'm driving her crazy trying. She's trying to teach me the metric system. and I, I'm almost 50 years old trying to learn the metric system over the telephone, <laughs> uh... but you know, we're working out the metric system. <laughs> Don't even get me started on Fahrenheit and so, you know, at <laughs> <laughs> Celsius. The learning curve. Oh. Yeah. With
0: your time you've used on quilting, can you share a quilting tip?
1: Yes. I actually wrote one down because I was thinking about that cathedral quilt that I stomped into the ground. I told you, you know, I had to wash. But <laughs> any mistake you make can be made into a masterpiece.
0: Yes, that is great. I came up with that by myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> i by myself. And
0: it's a great quote. Thank you. Was there anything else you would like to share with me today?
1: I just thank you for just letting me be on here. And I have oh, enjoyed
0: this so, so much.
1: Me, too. This is so fun. I would definitely do this again. Thanks, Monique. You're very welcome. You have a good evening. You, too. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: You can find more stories on AquiltersLife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening.